Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. This is our weekly show where we give you three or four interesting tech topics in about 20 minutes, get you on your way with some fun library facts. As always, if there's anything you'd like us to cover on the show, creationstation at Broward.org comes right to me. Today, I have managed to wrangle out Edison. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. So Edison works for officially it's building services as the group. Do you have a different section that you work though for? Yeah, delivery services. We're responsible for getting materials material to all thirty six six branches. Yeah. All those books that everybody's carrying around, bringing back at any building, check out, do all that stuff. Edison's yeah. a guy who makes sure all that happens. It gets it back to the correct buildings, delivers tons of stuff for us. So he is I have seen well, I have a team, so I wouldn't say I'm the guy. <laughs> you are the person who helps organize all of this. I've seen you out there with tents. I've seen you help do everything. Yeah. You guys do you're you're another one of those people that nobody out there knows but makes the library system actually work. Because yeah. we couldn't get it done without you guys. It's just not possible. But we have got some quick hitting fun stories here to get started with. Number one is Artemis. And this story is not from the storm. I'll cover that in just a second. So oh, Artemis, we're talking about the goddess of the hunt, or we're yeah, talking exactly. about NASA's no, Artemis. I, I think I think you're right on that one. You know, it seems to, something seems to be hunting this mission down. Two <laughs> hurricanes now have come mm -hmm. and tried to stop this launch, and. Uh, I saw there's a really great video out there because we do not know as of the time we're recording this, we're one day after the hur the second hurricane, so we do not know whether this is going to be uh, what how how the rocket was affected. But there's a really nice example. If nobody has, if anyone tries to tell you, well, well just a little wind can't hurt it. Uh, a beautiful thing is go go get it go get a soda can and step on the top of it. It's perfectly fine. As soon as you press it in from the side, the thing just crumbles. And the wind was coming from the side on this rocket during a hurricane. So we're going to see what happens with it. It had over 100 mile an hour winds hitting the actual ship. So it's going to take them a few days to figure it out. Don't think it's going to launch on the 16th, but we'll find out. Wow. Once it actually launches. Yeah. Have you been following that one, Edison? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, Not that much. Uh, I know we're all in Florida. Everybody like kind of just uh, is rockets are in the back of our mind every, for everybody who lives in Florida. Sometimes the news story that I found earlier this week, though, before we even knew the storm was coming, there's a gr two amateurs. They've got 18 uh, groups that are going to be tracking this mission because remember, it's a three week mission that goes out. And it is going they're going to be tracking it by radio telescopes and visual telescopes and everything. The fun one was there's two people on amateur radio that are going to be doing this. Did you do any radio work? Because you were in the military, Edison. Did you do any radio work when you were there? Yeah, extensively when I was with the uh, the CBs uh, in uh, okay. in um, in Gulfport, Mississippi. The CBs are combat uh, battalion yep. um, made famous by John Wayne in that movie, The CBs. Yeah, they're a construction battalion. Uh, they belong to the Navy. They go in clear spaces, and they train almost like Marines, and a big part of it is radio communication when they're on yep. the ground. So, yeah. I was at 3rd Mardiv in, yeah. in Okinawa doing the, doing exactly that. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. 
And I, I plus I used to love ham radios when I was younger. I had a little uh I had a truck C D and I ran an antenna out of my bedroom and I used to get on and listen oh, to that stuff. is awesome. Yeah. That yeah. is that is really great. See now you could be getting in on this. You still got that sitting around in a closet somewhere. You oh, could be man. getting in on this and following along. Uh, I I don't know. I, at first, I thought it was an antiqu antiquated technology. No one is really is. interested in it anymore. They don't even. I guess they don't even use Morse code anymore. Huh? They don't on these, but there's a lot of data transmission, and that's why. Because everything when they, as they moved them to digital transmissions, they haven't been using Morse code on it, but they do a tremendous amount of data that is almost like Morse code. It's it's very similar to how the old-fashioned modems worked when you get that the rah, 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 that weird thing noise as that goes through that's one of the, that's how these guys are going to be connecting in to actually listen in and sync to those radio signals and once you can get into that right wavelength now you'll be able to watch it so we're hopeful we'll be able to launch next week and then it's going to be interesting to watch these now. And there's websites you can go out there and follow along with the radio communications other than the NASA one. You can see what individual people are doing. So I was like, huh, that's a fun little story. I was like, this, this is a nice good one for us. Sure. Then our next story today is <laughs> the new Turing test is Are You Human? So the official, the, the uh, recognized the Turing test is something to test computers to see if they can fool a human into thinking that they are also human. And if it could pass that test, then how could you tell the difference between the computer and the human? Wow. But. Well, can the computer show love, mercy, or? Exactly. There you go. Yeah, see? Yeah. You've got yeah. it. And yeah. so now there's some discussion this article and talks as always all the links will be in the show notes for you so you can go see uh, go follow up on all of these remember last summer there was this big mess of somebody saying that the google was a was sentient that it had just and everybody was like no it's, it's just it's designed to be able to give you responses back like that and it brought up some new things and some people out there, some philosophers and computer science people have been talking about this, that maybe it's because humans are doing so much computer work now that they're not seeing themselves as different than the computers who are doing all of the extra calculations for them. Hmm. Interesting. And what do you... Do you, how do you feel about telling the difference in between what is a tool that you're using and what is like a partner that you're working with? Because that's what this really comes down to, doesn't it? Yeah. And I mean, like, for instance, uh, one of my favorite authors is William Cooper. I can't remember the name of the book. I think it's Behold a Pale White Horse or something like that. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. Lord. And then William Cooper's book, he basically, to you know, to summarize it, he was saying that you know, they put what what's really happening in movies and, you know, to desensitize you from what, you know, what's going on. So let's say, for instance, a movie like Total Recall Recall is really real and that technology is, uh, our technology is advancing like what you see in that movie. That's very scary. You know, you can't tell the difference between the, the, uh, a humanoid and, uh, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a full Android versus a human. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that they bring up here uh, towards it in this article uh, of something called interview warm-up, uh -huh. which is Google designed it to help people practice, get used to talking to people, get used to answering questions, have somebody throws you a question and you have to come up with an answer on the fly to be able to do it. And that's almost what you're talking about. It's like, well, wait a minute, now we're turning it around and it's now the computers interviewing the humans wow. live conversationally. And right now it's intended to be a practice tool for being able to go back and forth and do, but as language learning gets, you know, deep learning and language assessment stuff gets better, it's going to be interesting to see just how close we get to that. Yeah. Wow. So should our governments be uh, putting some sort of a uh, policy or restrictions in place? Exactly. That's the idea. What, who is the one who can make those decisions and do we want to leave it up to individual corporations? You can look at all the mess in the tech world these last couple of weeks of mm -hmm. things disintegrating around us, it seems. Or do you, are you going to have some kind of government agency that's going to be there that's going to at least have some reins on this thing, you know, some guardrails to say, okay, well, this is what you're allowed to do. This is where you can do. This is how you have to clearly mark this is a human versus this is a artificial language create, created bot or something like that. That is a really nice point. I just hope they don't depend on the industry that make the technology to, to um, be the ones that make the decisions and set up the policies. We've seen how yeah. that when in the past. Uh-huh, exactly. I, yeah, there's all, uh, I've been following this whole mess in Bitcoin that uh, the financial industry is no better than the rest of the government for keeping track of things. And keeping track of things, you may have thought you owned color. That no, I'm sorry, that nobody owned color, but it turns out we're wrong. Yeah. So, technically, it doesn't, nobody owns color. You still get to use color. You still get to do these things. However, Pantone, who is the master arbiter effectively because of what you just said, they're just a company that developed and grew and decided that this is how the world should organize colors. And everybody agreed and it worked really well. And now they're saying, by the way, if you use our stuff in Adobe, we're going to charge you a fee to use it in Adobe. Wow. And yeah. Capitalism so at its best. If you did, oh, yeah. So if you did something in Photoshop 20 years ago and used one of these Pantone colors, it's going to be replaced with black. Yeah. It was interesting. You pay them uh, 21 bucks a month to have access to it. Yeah, this is really interesting because uh, before, you know, you, I got this, you sent me this topic and I was like, let me do some research on it. And yeah. I didn't know a handful of companies uh, own the boundary, um, own color by pushing yeah. intellectual property law, laying claim to individual colors. Mm -hmm. And I was very surprised and um, I heard it kind of started around um, insulation by Corning. Yep. They, they wanted the rights to the pink ins insulation. So they, uh, they filed something 
of that nature, I guess. Some, yeah, some they've got, they've got a, a trademark on that particular shade of pink for insulation. You, yeah. you're, if you're a competing company, you can't use that particular color. And I got up on the screen here, you can see all the Pantone 304C, 305C, 306, um, 307, 308, 309. So, you know, you can see this, this slow graduation. I am colorblind, but I even I can see there's a slight graduation there between all the things. And also to be clear, this is not that you can't use that blue, whatever, whichever of these blues, you can go out there and use that blue. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to call it Pantone 306C, then you owe Pantone 25 bucks, $21, whatever it is a month to be able to use that. And the reason it's important and I know people are like, so just don't pay them the money. Here's the problem. If you say, I want this color blue, and say you're, you're a small company and you want all of your logos, everything to look the same, you need this descriptor of the color so that you can then say, okay, this color on the website, on the travel mug, on the paper brochure, on all of the different things. So it's the same color everywhere and it doesn't change where it's a slightly faded out blue when it's on the screen and when it's on paper, it's a bright blue. And then when you put it onto your coffee mug as a promotional piece, it gets a little shiny. How Pantone solved all that was giving these colors and everybody knows exactly how this color is going to look on every possible surface. And so now they're going to start charging people for that. I can see why a company would want to protect a color that was synonymous with their brand. Mm -hmm. But man, paying a monthly fee to use a color is kind of ridiculous. It, it just sounds wrong. Yeah, it just sounds wrong. Just sound like somebody's trying to get rich. Uh, I think they've already got rich is the problem. Maybe that's the issue. Um, but so this is something that's been going on for 20 years. They've already been doing all this. And there's a lot of updating and gnashing of teeth about this. So we're going to see there's going to be some kind of fee, whether it ends up that Adobe pays part of the fee and passes on the fee to bigger companies or whoever, however they do that. But everything is, it. by the way, if you didn't want to run this, uh, I am not telling anybody to break any kind of software things, but if you can find an older version of the Adobe software, then don't update it and you'll be fine because this only happens in the new versions of Adobe. So, so there we that's go. Only gonna be a, that's the only old, a stop. The old thing, stuff, yeah. the older stuff, you know, saving the day again, you know, how to pay yeah. for it. Yep. Yep. Of course it's going to break because <laughs> you know, it's going to, it, it, it yeah. can't last forever. But in the meantime, as I trying to get this all sorted out, just don't update your Adobe if you haven't already, because it's got to be something prior to, you know, earlier in the summer of this summer of 2022. And you probably shouldn't expect any software support. There's, yeah, there's no software support. There's no, and which is why you need uh -huh. it. You know, you have to, if you're going to be doing this stuff, you're going to have to keep upgrading and eventually you're going to lose access. So, so who just would think that uh, some insulation would uh, cause this problem? Yeah. One corning, one in the... Yep. And trademark the pink insulation would cause this problem. Wow. Uh-huh. Cause there's yeah. People have to make money. I get that, but 
certain things, I think you should be able to like, here's a standard. Boom. Can you imagine libraries? You know, if we all of a sudden started charging to use the Dewey Decimal System? Oh, wow. I mean, that's effectively what this is. I mean, this is, you know, ah, just crazy, crazy craziness. Planning. I think, I think it might drive readership down if they had to pay to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. And our final story for the day, which is odd and another capitalism one. I think you you you've hit us on the head with this one today. Um, so Corpus Christi, town on the Texas coast, um, basically sold all of their water to companies because industry needs a lot of water. If you're into Exxon, for example, who does a lot of oil drilling in the area, they need fresh water to uh, help run all their machinery and everything. And so they bought the allotment out of Corpus Christi and the city of Corpus Christi sold, again, another large allotment of water to another company, uh, Steel Dynamics, so they could build a factory there to do steel. And the city, back in 2017, 18, and 2019, when they were making these deals, said, it's not going to be a big deal because we're going to make a desalination plant. We're going to suck the water out of the ocean, desalinate it, use it to do these projects, and then we'll, it'll solve it all. Take a guess if any of those plants actually got built. I'm thinking it didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking they're going to run into issues with water, just like they're doing right now with Lake Michigan and Flint and uh -huh. yeah. and the Colorado River, et cetera, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Bob, who make these decisions? Did we put them in office? Yeah, somebody did put the, these did people, the people in office. People in Texas put them in office. Exactly. People in decisions. Texas elected the, these people to running the city, and the city decided they were going to do this as a deal to attract the big business to bring in these big corporations to do more business in the city and sold them the water rights without thinking ahead or, or at least not coming through with their plans. If they did plan ahead in the case of a couple of these and not now too heavy, but yeah, um, did they not think about the well-being of their citizens? Uh, exactly. Yeah. No, that, that's <laughs> exactly the, the point. That's yeah. No, one hundred percent. What are you thinking about here? And they, the way they set these up, and I've got a map up on the screen for you to see, right, is see. you can see that it's all here in the bay, is where they want to build all these desalination plants. Instead of dragging the water from the open ocean, where the currents will keep it refreshed and moving around, they want to draw the water from inside the bay, where it's calmer, quieter, and pump all the salt water back in the heavy brine that comes out back into the bay, which makes the bay even saltier and worse off and will kill the fish, etc., etc., etc. People, come on. Mm. On top of that, Bob, they probably have yeah. a whole lot of runoff from fertilizers and uh -huh. yep. harsh chemicals yep. and stuff exactly. in the bay and versus what we the know wide here open in Florida. ocean. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly what we know in Florida with the red tides that we had up, you know, last summer. And 
and one of the frustrating things to me about this, and what what really made me like, okay, I want to talk about this, <laughs> is these companies could build desalination plants themselves, and or all they have to do is build a pipe that goes out into the ocean to suck the water from out in the ocean and return it back to the ocean. It's just a mile-long pipe that goes out into the ocean and brings it back. It's less than the width. The whole bay going across is over five miles. They could have just built one pipe per plant to go out into the ocean. And they're saying that, oh, well, no, it's too expensive. And that wasn't in our original deal. Um, I don't think they're thinking about the citizens of Texas. No, they're thinking they're about their living there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Are you, how are you going to live in a place without water? This is the whole how we survive. What are we going to do going forward? It can't be business as usual. It can't be the corporations letting the things. So this is a really interesting tech story because they kind of planned ahead and build these new desalination plants, but then didn't follow through with regulation to force it to be built on time. Now the EPA is involved because water shortages and the way they want to build the plants now to save money means that you're going to mess up the bay and et cetera. It's just like... Not to get too heavy politically, do we still have an EPA? I thought that yeah, was dismantled no, by the previous <laughs> Well, there, there, there's some, there's some disagreements on that one, um, mm -hmm. on both sides of the aisle about how how agencies should be regulating people, and you know, there's some good and bad on both sides. But yeah, you're right. If you've got an agency to do this and regulate this, then let them do their job. And work with them and make a, a long-term plan because it's not like you you didn't need to – in 2019, you know you needed water in 2020. You knew you needed uh, water in 2024. And it's global not like water's going to go away. When do we not need water, right? And you know there's global warming water is like drying up. Uh, I know, I know. Some, I know. Of, some rivers in uh, uh, the lowest they've ever been. Some bodies of water, the lowest they've ever been in, in the history, you know, times. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just yeah. crazy, 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 crazy. Man, see, we're just going to, we could have done one story all, all show long. This, these these <laughs> things just go. We're running out of time. Though. Thank you so much for being here, Edison, for that. And no problem. again, um, as, as we talked about last week, this is Veterans Month around here in the library because this is not a single day. Uh, tomorrow yeah. is the official veterans holiday. So I hope everybody's off. Everybody enjoys, gets a chance to think about the whole reason why, because this is not just a new modern little holiday. Um, well, like thank everybody for their service. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 1918 folks is when this started. Not, this is not a new modern thing. So pay attention. Um, Poppy day was up in Canada also just the other day. So thank you everybody up there also. Um, Again, thank you for taking the time out. You've got a really busy schedule, Edison. So thank you for popping in here to do this with us. No problem. Anything um, for the public library has been a staple in my life growing up. A bit. One is. of the best refuge where you yeah. could go learn anything you wanted to learn. Yep. See, see, folks, all of us at the library use the library too. Yep. You should follow. Let's throw up this final slide here. If you have a library or a librarian, somebody who works in the libraries who you want to see featured on the show, let us know. Creationstation at Broward.org. We'll see everybody next week. Bye.